strategies and ideas are only as good as how they're executed. So what really matters is execution and kind of the follow through on the detail. So when you peel that back, the trick there is, I think, to simplify. Inspired Execution, hosted by Datastax Chairman and CEO Chet Kapoor, follows the journeys of leaders from the world's largest enterprises and fastest-growing startups. Dilip Venkatachari, CIO at U.S. Bank, is a technology executive, entrepreneur, and board member. He has a diverse set of experiences, from starting two companies of his own to leading at large enterprises like Goldman Sachs and McKinsey. Today, Dilip shares how focusing on people and purpose has helped him navigate many different roles, why the meaning of customer centricity evolves as a company scales, how simplification helps with execution, and the power of persuasion. Dilip, it is awesome to have you on the podcast. Welcome. Thanks for having me here. You've had a fascinating career, right? You've been a technology executive, an entrepreneur. You've done so much with data over the years. You've been a board member of several companies. And now, most recently, at U.S. Bank for a few years. Tell us a little bit about your journey. I think the best way I'd describe it is I've had a very varied set of experiences. I'm very, I'm very fortunate for that. In starting my career at a very different place from where I am right now. Uh, I was doing research in uh, hardware, interprocessor communication, all of those things deep in silicon. And uh, that was my first job building uh, systems for telecom companies. From there, after business school, went totally in a different direction. I uh, started at Goldman Sachs working as a sales and trading person at McKinsey. You know, worked with terrific people. But what was interesting across all of them was everyone was, uh, you know, quite different. You know, you, you kind of tend to learn a lot. And I had an opportunity to become an entrepreneur and did that a couple of times. And that was my first entry into financial services. And, and after that, have been in financial services one way or the other, at PayPal, at Google, and in my current role, but you know, across the board, you know, quite interestingly diverse, and I'm kind of very, very fortunate for that. It's interesting, right? When you know, I had a chance to go and spend some time at Google for three years, and I've done mostly what one would say smaller companies or mid-sized companies. And a lot of people ask the question, you know, what's the difference? And my take generally is, you know, am I enjoying the mission and I'm having impact? Is there some more stark contrast that you have had between doing this? at a top five bank in the US versus being at Google versus running your own company? I think ultimately, in, in terms of kind of the job itself, it doesn't really matter whether you're in a, in a five-person startup, a kind of a mid-sized company or a large company, because you still have to enjoy what you're doing. You still have to have a reason you're doing it. There's got to be some end purpose in this whole thing. And you got to enjoy kind of the people that you're working with, right? That combination. So I think that combination doesn't change, but... What I found interesting is partly because I've been in the same set of industries throughout. I've just seen the the change in size basically meant you could do more. It's just kind of a different scale. But what you do or how you do it rather is all the same. It, it doesn't really, really change, but you just get to do it at different scales. Yes, there are some slightly different you know, large entities. You tend to have a lot more communication, a lot more coordination in a large enterprise versus things where uh, things are a lot simpler in a single product company where you, know, you can be very crisp and clear on here are the three things I'm going to do. But ultimately, uh, they're very, very similar in construct. And I think enjoying the kind of the ride along the way as opposed to kind of waiting for the destination is kind of what makes it uh, most interesting. Now that you've done both, right, you've been 
the creator of products and you've been the consumer of products and services right across the board. What would be your advice to entrepreneurs? What matters are two things. Fundamentally, that if you kind of fixate less on the mission, but more on the kind of the journey. What I mean by that is how you get to the end goal, whatever you're doing, it's just kind of a series of steps, as opposed to kind of worrying about, you know, am I going to make this in you know, a product launch in time or is this going to get to a particular valuation or a revenue target? If you just picked interim points and kind of enjoyed journey along the way, it actually tends to have a better outcome. The uh, just most critical thing, be clear on what you're doing and believe and kind of enjoy the path you're on. I think the rest of it comes a lot more easier once you have those things. Chad, does that kind of relate to what you've been through? I say it differently to people. You will not remember your bank balance. You might, right, for sure. But, you know, that's not what you will have fond memories of. What you'll have fond memories of who you did it with and how you did it. And I think at least in the parts that I have actually worked with, you know, those are the things that people remember the most. And those are the things that people have the thirst for the most, right? When we think about that was the best job in my life, you think about the hardships you went through with your colleagues to achieve the result required. It's like, it's the journey, right? And that seems like a consistent theme, at least for me, uh, which is why I keep going back to being an entrepreneur and trying to run companies. Could agree with you more because also one other way to look at this is if you go back in your uh, career and look at uh, the people you've worked with, more likely than not, you work with the same set of people again and again. And that's because you've said, look, I've enjoyed working with these people. Let me try and pull them along for the next uh, uh, ride as well. It's not just that you know them, they'll do a good job, but you also believe that kind of the, the time together, it would make the journey more fun. And so I think that's easy way of kind of validating you know, what we just talked about. The very essence of a company to me is smart people solving hard problems, having fun. Right. And if you can replicate that, you can rinse and repeat that as often as possible. That works out really well. We have something called inspired leadership at DataStacks that every DataStaxer has to do. And one of the leadership principles is operate at all levels. Leaders have to stay connected to the details, willing to roll up the sleeves and to do what it takes to help the team succeed. Do you find that it is different when you're doing a startup where you're doing windows and you're carrying water and dishes? than from what you have to do as a CIO of a large bank? I think there are similarities and differences. The similarities are kind of the emphasis on execution. I mean, you can have all the strategies in the world. Strategies and ideas are only as good as you know, how they're executed. So what really matters is execution and kind of the follow-through on the detail. So when you peel that back, the trick there is, I think, to simplify, you know, cut through the clutter and kind of essentially simplify and, and focus on just the few things that you need to get done right, not not the you know, the large number of things that need to get done, but what are the top three items, and simply you know systematically go uh, you know work away at it. And I think whether it's a large company or a uh, kind of a startup, it's these are the same kinds of things. What gets complex in a large organization is this notion of customer centricity. All the best companies in the world tend to be customer obsessed. But as you kind of translate that in companies with very many different kinds of products and services, one of the challenges they face is kind of trying to say, what exactly does it mean to be customer centric? Are you talking about the retail customer? Are you talking about the corporate customer? By the way, they may have differing and frankly, uh, sometimes contradictory uh, kind of wants and needs. And how do you kind of balance those things? Uh, so figuring out how you structure teams so that teams do not have to make those trade-offs, but can be focused on a defined customer 
is actually the most critical thing, I think. I think if you simplify the problem, simplify uh, kind of the, the organization to saying this set of people will focus on this customer and make that clear, then the chances of success kind of dramatically go up. I love the, the comparison, right? In, in a startup, it's super clear. And in a large company, you have to make sure it's really clear. It might be clear or it might not be, but make it really clear. How do you create a culture of constant change? Because if I take your customer centricity and, you know, the, the needs are changing, right? The pandemic brought a bunch of behavior change for me as an individual who banks, right, as an example. And so that will continue, right? And we will go into a new normal after another six, nine, 12 months, whatever it might be. How do you make sure that your teams actually understand that change is going to be a constant, this is probably the most difficult one for all of us. The uh, most critical one is to make sure you fixate. It's almost like when you first learn to ride a bicycle, the, the first thing you learn or even drive a car, right? You, you learn not to focus on the thing like 10 feet away in front of you, but maybe like a quarter mile in front of you to kind of maintain the wheel in the right direction. The same way, focusing on the mission, being very clear on what you're trying to get done, but not in the like, what am I going to get done this week? But kind of having the broader impact and what is the mission? What am I really trying to do from a customer standpoint? Clear essentially gives you the room to make all these changes because what you understand, you know, take a very simple example. Before the pandemic, less than half of all the consumers in the US were um, you know, accessing their uh, financial institution through digital means, uh, mobile, online, whatever. After the pandemic, for all the reasons you'd kind of imagine, it kind of moved up to mid-70s or so, huge increase. But if you thought about that as a problem, you're solving for online versus in the branch or anything else, you, you, you know, it would be a, a crazy time. What do, how do I prioritize? How do I make these decisions? But if you kept thinking only of your customer and said, look, I have delivered these financial services to the customer, naturally, when the customer changes, you'll say, whoops, now they're coming through a different way. I have to kind of provide a different set of services. And so it makes it a lot easier. I mean, that's kind of one. The other one is the more difficult one for people who have been in industries which have not changed is the willingness to fail. I mean, we talk a lot about this in Silicon Valley, but it's not easy kind of making people who have been told throughout that uh, failure is not tolerated, right? To tell them, look, to launch an MVP, their question is, why would I do that? MVP is not success. You, you told me that I have to get to this revenue. And if I don't have a clear path for the next five years, the, the chances of failure are high. And why would I take the path? And so uh, trying to provide room, the space for people to take risks is the uh, uh, bigger issue. And it's not just how do you tell them, okay, it's okay to fail. Most people don't take you seriously when you say that. They're saying, okay, this is this guy's read some management book yesterday and giving us some ideas. But watch my next review is not going to be good. And so how do you persuade uh, people kind of uh, act it out, you know, make decisions and you know, acknowledge your own failures? Say, Oops, I made a mistake. I think we should have done something different. And then they kind of see it along the way. And I think th those two ends probably make a lot of the difference. What has been your proudest accomplishment? I think the most interesting one, if I thought about it, was the first time I was an entrepreneur where I had no experience building a business, didn't know. Uh, it was basically uh, three of us starting a company. We kind of broadly knew an idea that we had, but we couldn't persuade anybody. We couldn't persuade engineers to show up. And importantly, we couldn't persuade a single investor. Their entire question was, but you've never done this before. How the heck would I you know, uh, take a chance on you? And I have no idea kind of what you're saying. So uh, getting through that, getting through all that sea of uncertainty and trying to create kind of the, the product 
and get it to customers, get them to kind of validate it. A huge uh, uh, learning, and it took us a year. Uh, thankfully, um, some of the problems of not getting investment turned out to be very good because by the time we had our acquisition offer, all of us were deep in debt, but we had no external capital. And that kind of uh, you know worked out very well. But just that I thought was uh, you know starting from scratch with a team that had no prior experience and going through and creating a uh, company that had kind of multiple acquisition offers in a year was, was kind of an interesting validation point, but, but a lot of fun along the way. That is awesome. I think 10 out of 10 entrepreneurs would be happy to take that. <laughs> they would, uh, you know, getting that done in a year with no, with no investment is, is awesome. What is one personal challenge you've had to overcome? I think the one common theme everywhere, you know, whether it's at a large place or a tiny startup, is the need to persuade people. Oftentimes you forget, you think about, you know, here's the five things I've got to do. But the bigger, the bigger elephant in the room, the bigger thing that we don't sometimes think about is all of this is not the what, but the how. And how do you make sure everything is, is change of some kind or the other? You know, you're changing a customer into a new product, a new way of buying things. You're changing your own employees, kind of their, their ideas, their views of what they were trying to do or some such. So the, the need to persuade, to bring people along as opposed to assume that they are bought in with you is, I think, one of the biggest challenges. Who inspires you? I think of uh, things very simple. And I have a very simple uh, view of simplicity and scale are the two things that matter. So from an inspiration for a very different set of reasons than what's traditionally, uh, you know, people take Gandhi as an example, right? It's not because of just the, you know, the philosophy of the nonviolence. It's the fact that the theme was simple, but it was scalable across to a whole country. Right, being able to persuade a lot of people for of change, because the notion of how to do it was a change from any prior uh, approach, and you know, doing that with just a repetitive, simple message, but you know, doing, you know, using all the tools to kind of uh, persuade a large number of people was, I think, quite inspiring. What advice would you share with a younger version of yourself? I'd just say two things: enjoy the journey, just spend more time with your fellow travelers. And uh, second, trust your intuition, trust your gut. Don't necessarily overanalyze. If, if something seems right, it probably is. Just go get it done and then come back and figure out. That's awesome advice. The trust the gut part, Dilip, if I can double click on that, is I talk to a lot of folks about this, that there are many decisions that you will have to make that are matters of the heart, right? And make sure that you have alignment on your what your heart is saying, i.e. your gut is saying, with what your mind is saying as well, because your mind may be too logical about it. And, you know, over the long term in your heart or your gut might be the right one. Is that fair? Totally agree. And also all of us tend to be very analytical, live in times where there's a lot of data. The problem of data is that it seems like you should use it to analyze it. But what's happening is the data is actually seeping inside you and you're like your muscle, uh, you know, your gut's getting built up with a set of this happens, this is the right decision. and as long as you have, you're in an area and you're doing things kind of logically and coherently, your gut's probably right. And the amount of effort and time to kind of second guess and third guess uh, your decisions, not worth it. Um, if you're doing it for the right reasons, your gut will tell you. And then you can always course correct. That is awesome. Because I think this, you know, the right reasons part, I think a lot of people forget, right? You cannot, like, for example, having been an entrepreneur, you would agree that you don't 
you don't start a company because you want to make a lot of money. You start a company because you can affect people and companies, right? You can change the trajectory of the companies and the people that are going to use your technology. A lot of people forget that. Absolutely. I, th- I think the notion, this is, again, clicks back to don't plan on the outcome. You cannot, the outcome is a bunch of other things and other choices, other you know, external events that will uh, you know, make or break, including things like valuations, exits, all of those. All you can plan on is having the objective of kind of doing what you're doing broadly and then enjoying the journey. And then automatically things will click into place. If you focus on near-term things like money or you know, specific uh, interim, like even project goals, those don't end up in the right kind of long-term place. I'm going to go through some rapid-fire quick response questions now with you. You hold many patents. What's your favorite invention of all times? I think antibiotics. Simple, uh, something that's you know very low cost, applicable across the world. You know, you can just find specific point solutions. Kind of, it's more the approach of antibiotics, hugely scalable. You can have a dinner party with only three people, dead or alive. Who would be on your invitee list? Very easy. I spent so much time at work. If I had this time, I basically the three people would be my family, my wife and kids. What's your, and this is a very Silicon Valley way of asking the question, what's your superpower as a leader? What I'm fairly decent at doing is basically two things. First is just cutting through the clutter and simplifying. And the second one is just systematically get things done, right? Just doggedly go after something and get stuff done. So so I think those would be what I would say I'm decent at, I focus on. And I think if you put a bunch of people that do just that, that collectively would get you kind of a long way. For sure. Simplification, by the way, is, I think, one of the hardest things, right, is getting to the essence of it. So that is, uh, that is great. One word or phrase that defines a great leader? Someone who's a missionary, who's able to uh, see ahead, but uh, kind of take people along. What advice would you give to somebody coaching a team? To coaching a team, basically be patient, essentially listen more most times the team themselves, once you have an open kind of discussion going, the team will solve the problems themselves. Just stay out of the way. Just bring a bunch of smart people together, set the path, and then stay out of the way. That's a very unique perspective. I've not had a lot of leaders say, my advice to all coaches would be to stay out of the way. Because I think if you can successfully do that, you've not only tamed your mind, but you've also created an environment for people to succeed. Dilip, this has been phenomenal. Thank you very, very much for your time. Really appreciate it uh, and look forward to catching up with you soon. Jet, enjoyed the conversation. You know, look forward to us uh, speaking another time. Thanks a ton for the opportunity. Whether you're leading a startup or a huge enterprise, it's important to have a sense of purpose and enjoy the people you're working with. If you want to create a culture of change, encourage your team to take risks and always bring the focus back to the customer. Remember that strategies and ideas are only as good as how they're executed. Finally, trust your intuition and enjoy the journey. Thank you so much for tuning in to today's episode of the Inspired Execution Podcast. Don't forget to subscribe, rate, and review the show. And drop us any questions or feedback at inspiredexecution at datastacks.com.